This audio is brought to you by Muslim Central. Please consider donating to help cover our running costs and future projects by visiting www.muslimcentral.com forward slash donate. Inshallah, we will be reading from the beginning of Surah Al-Ankabut, which is page number 529 of the Noble Quran that we are using. أعوذ بالله من الشيطان الرجيم بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم ألف لام أحسب الناس أن يتركوا أن يقولوا آمنا وهم لا يفتنون وَلَقَدْ فَتَنَّ الَّذِينَ مِنْ قَبْلِهِمْ فَلَيَعْلَمَنَّ اللَّهُ الَّذِينَ صَدَقُوا وَلَيَعْلَمَنَّ الْكَاذِبِينَ أَمْ حَسِبَ الَّذِينَ يَعْمَلُونَ السَّيِّئَاتِ أَنْ يَسْبِقُونَا سَاءَ مَا يَحْكُمُونَ من كان يرجو لقاء الله فإن أجل الله لآت وهو السميع العليم ومن جاهد فإنما يجاهد لنفسه إن الله لغني عن العالمين والذين آمنوا وعملوا الصالحات لنكفرن عنهم سيئاتهم ولنجزينهم أحسن الذي كانوا يعملون ووصينا الإنسان بوالديه حسنا وَإِن جَاهَدَاكَ لِتُشْرِكَ بِي مَا لَيْسَ لَكَ بِهِ عِلْمٌ فَلَا تُطِعْهُمَا إِلَيَّ مَرْجِعُكُمْ فَأُنَبِّئُكُمْ بِمَا كُنْتُمْ تَعْمَلُونَ وَالَّذِينَ آمَنُوا وَعَمِلُوا الصَّالِحَاتِ لَنُدْخِلَنَّهُمْ فِي الصَّالِحِينَ وَمِنَ النَّاسِ مَنْ يَقُولُ آمَنَّا بِاللَّهِ فَإِذَا أُوذِيَ فِي اللَّهِ جَعَلَ فِتْنَةَ النَّاسِ كَعَذَابِ اللَّهِ وَلَئِنْ جَاءَ نَصْرٌ مِّنْ رَبِّكَ لَيَقُولُنَّ إِنَّا كُنَّا مَعَكُمْ أَوَلَيْسَ اللَّهُ بِأَعْلَمَ بِمَا فِي صُدُورِ الْعَالَمِينَ وَلَيَعْلَمَنَّ اللَّهُ الَّذِينَ آمَنُوا وَلَيَعْلَمَنَّ الْمُنَافِقِينَ وَقَالَ الَّذِينَ كَفَرُوا لِلَّذِينَ آمَنُوا اتَّبِعُوا سَبِيلَنَا وَلْنَحْمِلْ خَطَايَاكُمْ وَمَا هُمْ بِحَامِلِينَ مِنْ خَطَايَاهُمْ مِنْ شَيْءٍ إِنَّهُمْ لَكَاذِبُونَ وَلَيَحْمِلُنَّ أَثْقَالَهُمْ وَأَثْقَالًا مَعَ أَثْقَالِهِمْ وَلَيُسْأَلُنَّ يَوْمَ الْقِيَامَةِ عَمَّا كَانُوا يَفْتَرُونَ 
وَلَقَدْ أَرْسَلْنَا نُوحًا إِلَى قَوْمِهِ فَلَبِثَ فِيهِمْ أَلْفَ سَنَةٍ إِلَّا خَمْسِينَ عَامًا فَأَخَذَهُمُ الطُّوفَانُ وَهُمْ ظَالِمُونَ فَأَنْجَيْنَاهُ وَأَصْحَابَ السَّفِينَةِ وَجَعَلْنَاهَا آيَةً لِلْعَالَمِينَ وَإِبْرَاهِيمَ إِذْ قَالَ لِقَوْمِهِ اعْبُدُوا اللَّهَ وَاتَّقُوهُ ذَلِكُمْ خَيْرٌ لَكُمْ إِنْ كُنْتُمْ تَعْلَمُونَ إِنَّمَا تَعْبُدُونَ مِنْ دُونِ اللَّهِ أَوْثَانًا وَتَخْلُقُونَ إِفْكًا إِنَّ الَّذِينَ تَعْبُدُونَ مِنْ دُونِ اللَّهِ لَا يَمْلِكُونَ لَكُمْ رِزْقًا فَابْتَغُوا عِنْدَ اللَّهِ الرِّزْقَ إِنَّ الَّذِينَ تَعْبُدُونَ مِنْ دُونِ اللَّهِ لَا يَمْلِكُونَ لَكُمْ رِزْقًا فَابْتَغُوا عِنْدَ اللَّهِ الرِّزْقَ وَاعْبُدُوهُ وَاشْكُرُوا لَهُ إليه ترجعون وإن تكذبوا فقد كذب أمم من قبلكم وما على الرسول إلا البلاغ المبين أولم يروا كيف يبدئ الله الخلق ثم يعيده إن ذلك على الله يسير قل سيروا في الأرض فانظروا كيف بدأ الخلق ثم الله ينشئ النشأة الآخرة إن الله على كل شيء قدير يعذب من يشاء ويرحم من يشاء وإليه تقلبون وما أنتم بمعجزين في الأرض ولا في السماء وما لكم من دون الله من ولي ولا نصير بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله رب العالمين وبه نستعين ونصلي ونسلم على أفضل الخلق أجمعين نبينا محمد وعلى آله وصحبه والتابعين ومن تبعهم بإحسان إلى يوم الدين وبعد We praise Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala send blessings and salutations upon Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam We ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to bless him and all his household his companions and may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala bless every single one of us and grant us goodness May he use us in the struggle to spread the deen, to learn it, put it into practice, convey it into others. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala at the same time grant us goodness. As you know, my sisters, we are having good rainfall. And at the same time, it is a sign of the mercy of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And one of the times of acceptance of a dua is whilst the rain is falling. Especially the calm rain that is falling when you have your needs, you call out to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala at any time and every time. But there are certain times when the dua is more likely to be accepted. One of them is during rainfall. So make use of that and alhamdulillah ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to fulfill your needs and my needs. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala fulfill 
our needs and may he grant us our wishes and may he make easy for us whatever we intend to do in this world within his pleasure and may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala grant us paradise and may he open our doors beloved sisters here we have the beginning of surah al-ankabut the ankabut being named after the spider web the spider web or the spider itself and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala speaks about its web a little bit later in this surah he says baytul ankabut which means the house of the spider so this surah the surah of the spider where he speaks of the spider web inshallah we may get to that next week or the following week we will see why he has referred to the spider web but at the same time he starts the surah with hurufun muqatta'ah the separated letters which the meaning of only allah knows alif lam mim we've spoken about that in the past then he asks a question this question is for myself and yourselves and for everyone ahasiban nasu an yutraku does do people think that they will be left which means nothing's going to happen to them they're not going to be tested do people think that they're going to be left an yaqulu amanna just by them having said that we believe wa hum la yuftanun and they are not going to be tested this is a powerful question the question is do you think that by you declaring you're a mu'min and believing in allah that now you're not going to be tested in your life you're not going to be having a life full of tests trip, you know tribulations calamities and so on no you believing in allah subhanahu wa ta'ala actually gives you entrance to the examination allahu akbar a person enrolls in the school that is when they qualify to enter the exam a person accepts iman and believes in allah now there is a reason for allah to test that person this is what is meant so my sisters there are some people who say we are mu'minin why is allah giving us a difficult life or a tough life it is not a difficult life or a tough life it is a test from allah because now you've entered the territory whereby a test is now relevant if you if a person was not a believer there was no point in testing them because as it is if they have chosen kufr and disbelief over iman and belief then there is no point in testing them we don't just look over the wall of the school and start calling all the people who are walking by come and write your examination that's foolish or dishing out exam papers to those walking on the street no that's foolish what we would do those who are enrolled in the school we will then test them several times either weekly tests monthly tests uh, every term every semester or perhaps every year or once in your level of study so this would happen in our lives when you accept iman you have a daily test you have a weekly test you have a monthly test you have a test every term every semester perhaps every season every year and you graduate to the next level and on that level you are tested then in a bigger way with a more with a more difficult test and everything is there for allah to reward you for your patience endurance your relation to allah subhanahu wa ta'ala your purification and he may punish a person if that person person has failed their exams may allah subhanahu wa ta'ala grant us passing at all times so to me this verse is a very very important verse because it explains a lot and you know there is a hadith where the prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam speaks about how a person who bears patience 
Their reward is with Allah. In fact, there is a verse, إِنَّمَا يُوَفَّ الصَّابِرُونَ أَجْرَهُمْ بِغَيْرِ حِسَابَ Indeed, Allah gives the reward of those who bear patience without any limit, unlimited, subhanallah. So if you take a look at the tests Allah puts in your life, thank Allah, Ya Allah, you have tested me. The hadith says, إِنَّ اللَّهَ إِذَا أَحَبَّ عَبْدًا When Allah loves someone, that's when He tests them. There is a reason to test you. Because now you are claiming you love Allah. So now when Allah loves you, He tests you more so that you can recognize Him, you become closer to Him, you call out to Him. Look at us, when we have a problem, we are making tahajjud, asking Allah, Ya Allah, grant me this spouse. Ya Allah, open the doors of marriage for me. Ya Allah, open this for me, that for me. We are making tahajjud, we are making dua, we protect ourselves from sin. We are asking Allah this, we are giving out a charity, we are being good, we don't miss a salah. Why? Because we want something from Allah. So Allah put that test in our lives. Had we had a life without any form of test, the bulk of us would have forgotten Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. وَإِذَا أَنْعَمْنَا عَلَى الْإِنسَانِ أَعْرَضَ وَنَآ بِجَانِبِهِ Man is such that when we bless him with all the blessings and the gifts, he turns to his side. He turns away and he turns to his side. This happens to man. So Allah says, do you think... Do people think that they will be left alone because they say we believe and we will not be tested? Just because they say we will believe, they think we will not be tested? Meaning we believe. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, وَلَقَدْ فَتَنَّ الَّذِينَ مِنْ قَبْلِهِمْ You should know. This is something, information for me and you to know. And indeed, we have tested those before them. We have tested them. Everyone was tested. وَلَقَدْ فَتَنَّ الَّذِينَ مِنْ قَبْلِهِمْ فَلَيَعْلَمَنَّ اللَّهُ الَّذِينَ صَدَقُوا So Allah will certainly make known the truth or the true. Either the truth will become apparent or the true, those who are true in their belief will become known. And it will be proven for them or against them. And Allah says, the true or the truth will be made known. And certainly Allah will make known the falsehood or those who are liars. So to distinguish between those who have told the truth, who are claiming a statement and they are true in that statement, and and those who are lying in that statement. So when a person says, I believe, part of your belief is, I believe in fate and decree of Allah. Do you really believe in it? Well, if Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala tests you with something, say a sickness, say for example some form of calamity, uh, some form of loss, some loss of life of those whom you love and so on, on that day will you still be the believer that you have always claimed you are? Allahu Akbar. If the answer is yes, then definitely you are a believer. And you have, you have borne patience. And at the same time you have... Uh, lived your life in a way that will please Allah even during times of calamity and test. But if on that day you say, why me? And why did Allah do this? And who is this? And I'm not happy as a believer. And you become depressed and stressed because Allah has, for example, kept you in a certain condition. Then you are a person whose iman is false. Your iman is not true. Allah will, Allah will not be pleased with such a person. May Allah protect us. This is why my brothers or my sisters, should I say, we definitely need to be pleased with the condition that Allah has kept us upon. We try our best to help ourselves and we leave the rest in the hands of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Some are wealthy, some are poor, some are healthy, some are not. Everyone should try to achieve that which will benefit them and that which they want. 
احرص على ما ينفعك the hadith says uh, work hard towards achieving what you would like what you want what is beneficial for you so this is something that we are taught as mu'mineen try your best and leave the rest in the hands of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala so Allah says am hasiba alladhina ya'maluna as-sayyi'ati an yasbiquna what a question Allah is asking such a beautiful question Allah says or do those who do evil think that they can outstrip us meaning do they think they can escape our punishment why is this question here because those who do evil sometimes they have not yet entered the territory of test so Allah doesn't test them as much sometimes so people say why is this man getting away with murder he is not getting away he is temporarily escaping according to his understanding but not according to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala because ultimately he has to he has to return to Allah anyway and Allah is ever powerful all powerful Allah is ever knowing all knowing subhanallah so my sisters what we learn from this is when a person is engaged in evil sometimes they are not tested as much as when a person is a believer Allahu akbar did you ever know that and this is why the prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam was asked by the sahaba radiyallahu anhum that are we not on the right path? He said, yes, we are. Well, then why is all this happening? Well, that is Allah testing us and Allah separating those who are believers from those who are false. Allahu Akbar. This is why right at the beginning, no hypocrites accepted Islam right at the beginning because it was so difficult to accept Islam that if you were to be known as a Muslim, you were persecuted. So why would someone want to accept it falsely? Allahu Akbar. And this is why Allah says, Ulaika humus sadiqun. When he speaks about the muhajireen, he says, those were the ones who were truthful. The, the hypocrites came about in Medina Munawwara. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala protect us and may he make us from those who are uh, free of hypocrisy. So the question Allah is saying, do those who do evil think that they can escape our punishment evil is that which they judge which means they have misjudged and miscalculated allahu akbar then allah says man kana yarju liqa allah whoever hopes for the meeting with allah fa inna ajal allah laat indeed allah's prescribed time is surely coming allah's appointment and appointed time is definitely coming wa huwa as-sami'ul alim he is all hearer and all knower this verse number five is comfort to those also who are going through great difficulty in life. Sometimes you don't have what you want. You're praying for it. It didn't come in your direction. Sometimes you are sick and ill. Sometimes you are suffering loss of life around you. Sometimes you are uh, suffering loss of material nature, of a material nature. And Allah says, you are hoping to meet with us. Well, you need to know all this that's happening in the world is temporary. You will meet with us. Our appointment is very close. And this is why one narration says, Whoever is looking forward to meet with Allah, Allah is looking forward to meet with Him. Allahu Akbar. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala be pleased with us on that day. So don't be stressed and depressed. This is all temporary in this world. Very temporary. Be happy. Really thank Allah. Open your heart and be content with whatever has come in your direction. Allahu Akbar. And as I said, you try your best to achieve that which you would like. Yes, by all means, that which is within the limits of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. But you don't become depressed about, about it if you don't achieve that. May Allah open our doors. So my sisters, Allah is saying, whoever is really a believer, then they should know that Allah's time 
and his appointment is coming very soon. And Allah hears everything and he knows everything. If you are suffering because you are being oppressed by someone within the house or outside the home, either a family member or an in-law or for example a person you are working for or a neighbor or some other person who is an oppressive ruler or something, Allah says you should know Allah knows about it. He knows about it and he definitely will do something about it when the time is right. Allahu Akbar. This is why he says he is all hearer and all knower. Which means don't worry. You cannot run away from him and those people who are oppressing you can also not run away from him. And he knows the condition and he knows the sabr you are engaging in. Verse number 6. Allah says, وَمَنْ جَاهَدَ فَإِنَّمَا يُجَاهِدُ لِنَفْسِهِ إِنَّ اللَّهَ لَغَنِيٌ عَنِ الْعَالَمِينَ Whoever is struggling and striving, he is striving for himself. Because Allah is independent. Allah does not need anyone, neither mankind, nor jinn kind, nor anything that exists. So when you read your salah, don't think you are doing it for the sake of Allah. Uh, sorry, don't think you are doing it to benefit Allah. You are doing it for the sake of Allah to benefit yourself. When you are reading salah, don't think you are doing it to, to benefit Allah. You are doing it to benefit yourself. That's one thing you need to get clear. When you dress appropriately, it is a struggle. It is a striving. Remember, that is not in order to benefit Allah. Yes, it is to please Allah. But it is in order to benefit yourself. This is what Allah is saying. And any struggle that you engage in in this world, you are doing it for yourself. You are doing it to benefit yourself. Don't say that I did this to benefit Allah because Allah is not a stone or an idol or a human being or a creature. Allah is the creator of entire existence. Allah does not need you. This is why he says, Inna Allah laghani. Allah is independent. Allah stands not in need of anything. Allah is not in need of it. Ghani means absolutely independent. So you should know whatever you do, it's going to benefit you. And whatever you do bad, it's going to harm you. You, stro you strove, for example, to achieve something and achieved it, it's for your benefit. When you go to work early in the morning, you come back in the evening, it's for your benefit. You go out education, you write your examinations, may Allah make easy for, for, for those who are writing their exams and may He grant ease for those who have already written. Remember my sisters, you will have the certificate in your hand that will be of benefit to you. It's not going to benefit Allah. But you can use it to serve the cause of Allah. And you can use it to please Allah. Yes, definitely. But to be honest, the benefit is going to be yours. The reward you get, Allah will dish it out. Allah does not need a reward. Allah is the one who gives the reward. Allah is not the one who is in need of anything, of your praise or mine, or your good condition or bad, or your this or that. Allah is not even in need of punishing you. He doesn't need to punish you. Allahu Akbar. He does it for justice at times. And sometimes as a reminder. Because many people, when they are being punished, they actually turn back to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. They regret and they become better people. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala not make us from those who have to wait for a punishment before we actually dress appropriately or before we actually fulfill our salah or open the Quran on a daily basis. Allahu Akbar. So Allah says here, وَالَّذِينَ آمَنُوا وَعَمِلُوا الصَّالِحَاتِ Two conditions. Those who believe and do good deeds. لَنُكَفِّرَنَّ عَنْهُمْ سَيِّئَاتِهِمْ What will we do? Those who believe... And do good deeds. 
we will compensate their evil or we will delete it. Let's see what they have written here. They say, those who believe in the oneness of Allah and in the messenger Muhammad and do not give up their faith because of the harm that they receive from the polytheists and do righteous good deeds, surely we will expiate from them their evil deeds. So expiate here means Allah will delete it. Allah will uh, render it non-existent after it was there. So if someone has done a bad deed, doing a good deed after that will wipe it out. That's why the hadith says, الْحَسَنَةَ تَمْحُهَا Follow up a bad deed that you may have done with good deeds that will wipe the bad deed out. Allahu Akbar. So if you believe and you do good deeds, your past is wiped out. Yes, you need to engage in tawbah for the major sins that are committed. That's there. You need to repent verbally and you need to feel the remorse properly for the major sins you have committed. But the minor sins can be wiped out even without you knowing. Just because you've become a better person. So for example, this is something powerful. If you haven't been dressing appropriately for 30 years, Suddenly today you decide, right, that's it, it's over. Every minute of your not having been dressed appropriately is wiped out, gone. Now you started, Allah says, don't worry, it's all gone, wiped out. Now my sister, just because I said that, don't wait until you're really sick before you do that and say now everything is wiped out, because that's not how it works. You may not be able to see that day, and you may not be able to achieve that before you pass away. A winner is the one who continues to progress within the obedience of Allah. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says here, those who believe and do good deeds, and if you look at the translation here, it says, those who do not leave their belief just because a difficulty has come in their path. You know, I had an interesting discussion with someone, and they said, well, I've left Islam because I had so much difficulty. I called out to Allah, and Allah did not reply me. So I tried calling out to Jesus. So I said, do you know how many Christians there are who say, we called out to Jesus, but he didn't reply. So that's not the key question. The question is your conviction and your iman. You believe in your maker rather than one who is made. And you believe in the one who has created you rather than anything else in the process. May Allah protect us from shirkiyat. People call out to graves. People call out to sticks and stones. People call out to animals. People call out to photographs and pictures that they hang up in their homes. People call out to small rosaries that they may have in their pockets. People call out to all sorts of things. May Allah safeguard us. Everything we call out to besides Allah is actually a creature. Cannot harm or benefit himself or itself. So the best thing to do, call out to Allah and Allah alone. Yes, if there is a fellow human being who is alive in front of you, and you see them, you may ask them, pray for me. Because that is something that is permissible. But you cannot pray to the person, no matter who they are. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala grant us protection. I cannot aim at a grave and say, grant me happiness, grant me children. That is called shirkun akbar. It is one of the biggest types of association of partnership with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So Allah says, لَنُكَفِّرَنَّ عَنْهُمْ سَيِّئَاتِهِمْ We will expiate for them their sins. Who are those? Those who believe and do good deeds. So you need to believe. That's not enough. You need to do good deeds on top of that. Then Allah says, we expiate the, the sins that they have committed. And we will give them a reward. 
أحسن الذي كانوا يعملون and we shall reward them according to the best of that which they used to do. Allahu Akbar. This is why I always say, my sisters, Allah is looking for an excuse to forgive you and grant you paradise. Give him that excuse. So there, there should be a hidden deed between you and Allah that you know and Allah knows. And that is your Jannah. That is your paradise. So you keep fulfilling that deed in, on the highest level. Sometimes it is patience due to a tough condition you are made to live in. Sometimes it is... And, and that is your paradise. And Allah knows you are going through it. If... If you were to live with it for another few years, that's all you're going to live for anyway. You will then enter paradise. Allah says, we will give you a reward based on the best deeds you were doing, not on the worst you were doing. The worst will be forgiven because you tried to do good deeds. Allahu Akbar. This verse, we need to go home and read it again and again and try and understand its meaning. Subhanallah. Then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, وَوَصَّيْنَ الْإِنسَانَ بِوَالِدَيْهِ حُسْنًا Many of the people were being persecuted by their own parents when they accepted Islam at that time. And Today also those who accept Islam, they are persecuted by their parents and family members who make life difficult for them, sometimes excommunicate them. And sometimes even those who are Muslimin and their parents are Muslim, but their parents are weak. When those who want to accept the dress code of Islam or don the hijab, for example, or perhaps look more Islamic, sometimes their own parents are the biggest discouragement. That is a loss. That is really something bad. And that on the part of the parents is really a sign uh, of their failure. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala protect us from being parents who are unhappy when our children are getting closer to Allah. Rather we should be happier and happier as our children become even more powerful than we've ever been in terms of relation with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So here Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is saying, And we have instructed man to be good and dutiful to his parents, whether they are Muslim or non-Muslim. We have instructed man to be good and dutiful to his parents. Look after them, fulfill their rights. But if they strive to make you join with me a partner or anything as a partner of which you have no knowledge, then do not obey them. Unto me is your return and I shall tell you what you used to do. I will tell you. Things that you have forgotten, what you've done. I'll remind you and say, you know what? Remember you did this? Allahu Akbar. The good deeds, Allah will know. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will not let one single small good deed go by. And the same applies. He will not let a bad deed go by unless it has been followed by repentance. Or as we have learned today, unless it has been followed by the turning to Allah, by engaging in good deeds and leaving those bad deeds that were done. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, When your parents instruct you to do something against your instruction of Allah, then you do not obey your parents. Your parents tell you to associate a partner with Allah. Let's go, for example, to the mandir when it comes to a Hindu. Let's go back to this mandir. You know, you just need to come here because your marriage needs to happen according to our rights. So now you need to walk around the fire. There you say, you know what, Allah comes first. Even if your parents are upset with you, you explain to them, look, you know what, I will fulfill my duty unto you. But before that is my duty unto my maker. So whatever you instruct me to do, if it falls within uh, the instruction of my maker, I will do it. The minute it goes beyond that, I'm not allowed to do that. I cannot. Why? Because the verse says, ultimately your return is unto Allah. And on that day you don't want to regret. May Allah safeguard us. May He protect us. It's like when you work in a shop. The example came to my mind right now. When you're working at someone's business, 
and uh, a parent is working there with you, for example, and they tell you, you know what, why don't you steal uh, five of these pieces of, uh, or five of these products, put it into your pocket and let's go out. You got to say, no ways, dad, you're telling me to do something that is wrong. I will be punished for it and I'm going to regret about it. Don't. So you shouldn't. And you, you would be foolish if you did that. Because why? The laws of the shop or the boss come first before the laws of your own parents. And especially when they are wrong. If they tell you to work hard, yes, you should do so. If they tell you, please, can you help me? Go and fetch that box and bring it here. You will do so. If they tell you to look after them, you know, I need you really, I need a hundred dollars from you. Yes, you will give them, no problem. For as long as they're not going to buy alcohol with it and so on, knowingly. If you know that they're going to do that, then you rather give them in kind than cash. Now, let's get to the next verse. Allah says, وَالَّذِينَ آمَنُوا وَعَمِلُوا الصَّالِحَاتِ لَنُدْخِلَنَّهُمْ فِي الصَّالِحِينَ Another reward for those who believe and do good deeds. One was, Allah says, we will expiate for them their sins and we will treat them according to the best deeds that they had engaged in. How powerful this is. Today when someone is a very good person, they do one thing bad. And after that, we don't forgive them for 20 years. Because why? They did one thing bad. Allah says, Allah is not like that. Allah looks at what you did after that. If you proved yourself after that, Allah says, we will give you a reward based on the best of deeds you've done, not based on the worst of deeds you've done. This is why, Islam deletes that which was done before it. No matter what bad you've done before, it is deleted the moment you enter the fold of Islam. And the same applies to tawbah. The minute you repent to Allah, it deletes totally the bad that you've done in the past. How powerful this is. So Allah says, those who believe and do good deeds, we're going to give them something else. What is it? We will grant them entry into the gardens. Or entry with the pious. We will consider them amongst the pious. That's the verse. Let's read what it says here. And for those who believe in the oneness of Allah and the articles of faith, and do righteous good deeds, surely we shall make them enter within the entrance of the righteous in paradise. So you are resurrected with those who are pious. Imagine me and you, we want to meet Muhammad ﷺ. We want him to recognize us when he meets us as part of his ummah. And really we need to strive in that direction. Sometimes some people live their lives in such a way that the only people who will recognize them in the akhirah are the little pop stars of today. I don't even want to name them anymore. Yes, because we go into our vehicle, we've got them playing. And our body moves to what they say. So we're actually controlled by them because they have just tapped a drum and they have hit a bit of percussion and our body moves. And when Allah says, move your body in salah, it doesn't move, not at all. Doesn't go into ruku, no sujood. And this is why I cry when I read the verse, on that day, when Allah reveals Himself, when Allah makes apparent part of Himself, and Allah says, Prostrate to me. Certain people will not be able to prostrate. Their backs will become straight. Although they were healthy in the world. And they will be wondering, why can't we move? Why can't we move? And Allah says, you know why you can't move? Because when you were healthy in the world, we asked you to prostrate to us and you did not. So today you will be unable to prostrate, although you can see us. Allahu Akbar. 
So this is why those who don't want to read salah, one of the drawbacks of that, one of the means of punishment of that is not that you might have you know, a life of calamity. You may get away with murder sometimes here in the dunya shortly for a little period of time. There are people who don't read salah, they're wealthy and they're happy. And, and they have lots of children who are obedient and gorgeous. And they can afford all the centimeters of Revlon that we speak about all the time. So they can use it. And they look cute, subhanallah. But if they haven't read salah, one of the things that will happen as the Quran says, when Allah calls everybody to prostrate to Him on that day, they will not be able to do so. And why? They will want to know. And they will be told, well, we called you when you were okay. Nothing was wrong with you. Today your back is straight. It's made straight. You can't bend it anymore. May Allah protect us. I was speaking to a doctor in Malaysia and he was telling me, and this is well known, if a person reads salah correctly from a young age, they will be able to fulfill those postures with ease up to a very, very late stage in their lives. Why? Because they used to read salah regularly in those postures. But if you weren't reading salah, you won't even be able to sit, sit in tashahud, what we call al-qa'da al-akhira or al-qa'da. We won't even be able to sit. Why? Because we, our, our you know, knees are not used to it. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala make us not from amongst those who don't read salah. Try, fulfill the acts of salah and see what happens even to your health. It improves. So then Allah says, we will grant them entry with the entrance of the righteous. We will join them with the righteous. In another verse, Allah says, فَأُولَٰئِكَ مَعَ الَّذِينَ أَنْعَمَ اللَّهُ عَلَيْهِمْ Those people who do good deeds, uh, who believe and do good deeds, they will be resurrected with those whom Allah has blessed, the prophets and those who have been martyred, the pious and those of the level A, you know, the top level. May Allah grant that to us. Then Allah says, وَمِنَ النَّاسِ مَنْ يَقُولُ آمَنَّا بِاللَّهِ You see, this surah, the beginning of this surah of this spider is connected to the problems you have in life and how problems in your life must never distance you from Allah. It must make you closer to Allah. Look at what Allah says in this verse. There are some people of mankind who say we believe in Allah, but if they are tested for the sake of Allah, they consider the trial of man as a punishment of Allah. And if victory comes from your Lord, then the hypocrites will say, verily we were with you, we were helping you. Is not Allah best aware of what you hold in your breasts? Or is not Allah best aware of what is in the breasts of the alameen, mankind and jinn kind? What you conceal in your chest, Allah knows. So this verse is warning us to say, don't just worship Allah in times of ease. Then when it comes, becomes difficult, then you run away. And you say, no, this is Allah is punishing me, punishing me. It's a test from Allah. Then this is why my sisters, the ulama have taught us, based on this verse and other verses of the Quran, and based on the hadith of Rasulullah that whenever you have a test in your life, to know whether it is a test or a punishment, you have to look at the condition of your iman and the condition of your contentment. If you are happy, it is, a, it is then a test from Allah to raise your level. If you are content, it is a test from Allah to raise your level. But if you are depressed and you are really struggling to cope, perhaps you need to develop your iman. That might just be a punishment from Allah. This is why no matter what happens, Allah is telling you here, don't worry, the world is temporary. 
What's the most they're going to do to you? Kill you. Well, after that, they're also going to die two years later. Allahu Akbar. Then what will happen? When you go to Allah, you go to paradise. When they go, they go elsewhere. May Allah protect us. So Allah says, there are some people who worship Allah in such a way that when difficulty comes in their way, then the fact that man is making life tough for them, they consider that a punishment of Allah. <laughs> Read the verse. When they are, when they are made to, to suffer for the cause of Allah. Let me give you one other example. Say you dress appropriately, people laugh at you. Say you grow your beard so you don't get a visa to go, for example, somewhere. Say, for example, you, uh, your name is Abdullah or Abdul Aziz or something of that nature. So now people look at you and they look at you rough. Or your name is Muhammad and they look at you, astaghfirullah, and they look at you with a bad eye. And they call you different names. Now, to Allah is telling us that to bear patience upon that and consider it a gift of Allah, that Allah has given you an opportunity to get closer to Him, that is success. Rather than to say, look, I'm being punished. I'm a Muslim and look what's happening. So I rather change my name to Mo and to Dula. I'm sure you've heard that before. Abdullah. They call him Dula. It's a bad one. May Allah protect us. Really. You know, it's, it's embarrassing when your name is Abd Allah, which means the slave of Allah. And you call him Dula. Allahu Akbar. I couldn't stand it. I actually had to get up and tell him, brother, not only are you insulting Allah, but you're spoiling such a powerful name. Allahu Akbar. Insult to Allah. Why keep that name then? You should have told your parents to keep you that one time. You know, like here in Zimbabwe, uh, you've, you've got weird names. I'm sure you've seen them. You know, I know a brother who's called Computer. Allahu Akbar. Another one, Allahu Akbar, called Y2K. I don't know if you've ever come across that. One was known as a pumpkin eater. And I saw that in his birth certificate. And I'm wondering, I said, subhanAllah, here we are Muslimin taught that Abdullah and Abdul Aziz, Abdul Rahman, Abdullah and Abdul Rahman are the best of names. Allahu Akbar. And you have people calling themselves Dunlop. I don't know where that comes from. I really don't know. And they, they, they liked a certain vehicle, so they call themselves that name. I, uh, unbelievable. Wallahi, unbelievable. So Allah says, وَلَا يَعْلَمَنَّ اللَّهُ الَّذِينَ آمَنُوا Allah will definitely know. Allah knows. And He has distinguished between those who believe and those who are hypocrites. And He will make them known also. So it, it means you are a hypocrite, that hypocrisy will become known either in the dunya or at least in the akhirah. Or both. So He says, Verily, Allah knows those who believe. And verily, He knows the hypocrites. Which means... Allah will test people with good and with hard days to discriminate or to distinguish the good from the wicked. Although Allah knows all that before putting them to test. But now it is proof. For example, you put cookies in the kitchen and you know your child is going to take them. So what happens? You lock them somewhere else. And when you lock them somewhere else, you put the key in such a way that your child will not get them. But you know your child, oh, he's got a weakness for cookies. So what happens? You know that if you leave that door open, the cookies are gone. But now you just want to test your child to prove something against him. He says, I never take cookies, never take cookies. So now the door is left open and the cookies are gone. And you say, didn't I tell you? Now this example is a small little example that the brain of man might understand. In the case of Allah, Allah knows how we will operate, but He needs 
proof for us or against us so that we are not upset the day we are punished. May Allah protect us. Because Allah says, you're punished because of your deed. So you cannot say, well, it's a deed that was presumed. Allah says, you did it. The fact that we knew you were going to do it, we didn't punish you upon what we knew you were going to do. We waited till you did it. Allahu Akbar. Look at the justice system of Allah. If he wanted, he could have punished based on his knowledge. He could have. There's nothing wrong with that. But to him, he wouldn't do that because it would be injustice to punish a person for something they did not actually do. So that is why you're let, you're released, and you're given the opportunity, and you're given it. So when you engage in the deed, you're now punishable. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala forgive us, even though we've done deeds that may deserve punishment. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has told us so much. My beloved mothers and sisters, inshallah next week we will go through the verse number 12. I know I've read a little bit more than we've covered today, but I've taken my time because of the explanation uh, the, the verses that we are going to come through next week are very, very important where Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala makes mention of how the disbelievers say that follow our way and we will bear your sins. And Allah says they are liars. They will bear their sins and other sins on top of them. Nobody will bear your sins. Never ever think that someone has died because of your sins. No ways. No ways. Allah says that is injustice and a blasphemy. You know you are responsible for your deeds. So you say, oh Allah, forgive me and he will forgive you. The others were responsible for their deeds. The prophets and the messengers will be answerable for them, themselves fulfilling the message according to what Allah has instructed them. So they cannot come and say that you know what, uh, don't worry, you can do what you like. Already someone has died for your sin. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala protect us from such stupidity, to be honest with you. Thickness. If it is injustice for me as a human being to punish one man due to the sins of another, do you think that my Lord can do that and he can be unjust? Yet a chunk of the globe really thinks that and believes that. May Allah guide them and may he guide us as well. Until we meet again next week, we say, wa sallallahu wa sallam wa baraka ala nabina Muhammad, subhanallahi bihamdihi, subhanakallahumma bihamdik, nashhadu an la ilaha illa anta, nastaghfiruka wa natubu ilayki.